Well, good afternoon and welcome to another edition of In Transition. My name is Randy McElligot. This afternoon, we're going to be listening to nothing but jazz trombone. And we also have a special interview with trombonist Joel Yenier coming up uh, during the show as well. Joel has been kind enough to offer some of his thoughts on the trombone and uh, his band. And uh, he talks about a whole bunch of things during the interview. So that should be exciting. We're going to start off with Curtis Fuller, one of the um, one of the great trombonists in modern jazz, and we're going to listen to take three of a composition called Slides Ride. <laughs> Thank you. 
Propulsive Sounds of Curtis Fuller, starting off this edition of In Transition with the, the third take of Slide's Ride. Recently, I had a chance to uh, speak with uh, trombonist uh, Joel Yenior. Joel, hi. Welcome to the show. Hey, Randy. Thanks for having me on the program. When did you first express an interest in the trombone, Joel? Well, it must have been when I was about eight or nine years old. I think I was in, in about the third grade in school. My brothers and I were bored one day. We started rummaging through the closets at home and uh, found this unusually shaped case back in the depths of the closet. We pulled it out, and lo and behold, there was a old beat-up trombone. Turns out it was my father's instrument. He used to play it in the high school band in Michigan where he grew up. And I think it had been in the closet ever since, so um, we were pretty surprised to find it. I think he had forgotten about it. And uh, I had been taking a few piano lessons at that point, I knew a little bit about music and I got the trombone out and was able to make a tone. And uh, I remember figuring out how to play a scale and uh, tinkering around on it a little bit. Then I remember when I got to fourth grade, they had the instrument demonstration at school because uh, that was the year you could sign up for lessons at the school. And uh, they had a couple guys come in and demonstrate all the instruments. And I was really excited when I heard him play the trombone because I'd never really heard anybody play it. Uh, I think that's when I really got excited about it and I wanted to play it and I signed up to play it in school. Who are some of the trombonists that have influenced you um, early on in your career, Joel? Well, I've been very fortunate to have a number of outstanding trombone teachers that helped me in my development. Probably the uh, most influential teacher I've had was my first private teacher. His name was Saul Kay. He lived in uh, West Orange, New Jersey. He was one of the original trombonists with the Airmen of Note the U.S. Air Force Jazz Orchestra. He also played with the New Jersey Symphony and did some freelance work around the area. Um, he had a beautiful tone in the style of uh, Tommy Dorsey or Murray McEachern. Mr. K had a very well-oiled method for working with younger students, uh, helping us develop technique, tone, make sure we learned our scales, uh, introduced us to the basic trombone repertoire. He was firm but caring. Um, I remember a few times when I was younger actually breaking out in tears when I hadn't kept up with my practicing. But uh, looking back, I'm, I'm glad that uh, he was hard on me because it really helped me develop good practice habits at an early age. He used to make us do breathing exercises and uh, stress the importance of taking care of our body since uh, playing a brass instrument is such a physical thing. Uh, Mr. K wasn't an improviser per se, but he definitely encouraged listening to jazz and he had a number of jazz recordings he could let us borrow. Some of his favorites were Bill Watrous, um, Irby Green, and Carl Fontana. Um, he really stressed the importance of being versatile as a musician, being able to play different styles, maybe do some arranging. Um, he also encouraged me to get my teaching certificate. When I was a senior in high school and getting more serious about music, getting ready for my college auditions, I also had an opportunity to take a few lessons with the bass trombonist David Taylor uh, from the Manhattan School of Music. And, uh, Dave really challenged me to think about music on a deeper level. Uh, got me thinking about bringing out the emotional qualities of the music and about developing a personal style, a personal approach to playing. At the University of Miami, I studied with uh, Dr. Charles Campbell. He really uh, helped me hone my technique, build up my chops, learning to play more efficiently. Um, at the New England Conservatory, I got to work with uh, Scott Hartman, formerly with the Empire Brass. He was a... Uh, also an excellent teacher, really got me focused on uh, focused back on making music and personal expression. 
Um, a couple other guys I took a few lessons with, Tom McIntosh, um, John Mosca from the Village Vanguard Orchestra in New York, and um, also Hal Crook from the Berklee College of Music.
This is 89.1 FM. C-H-U-O. Your community station. When Gordon Bennett was doing his show at the Jazz Band Ball, one of his favorite trombone players was Turk Murphy. And that's who we just heard, Turk Murphy, from an album entitled A Natural High. And we heard I Am Pecan Pete. And just before that, Carl Fontana uh, with um, some music uh, with Bobby Shue on trumpet from the album Heavyweights. And we heard My Romance. I'm Randy McElligot, and you're listening to In Transition on CHUO-FM. This afternoon, we're featuring jazz trombonists, and we also have a special interview ongoing uh, during the show today with Joel Yenier. So that's that's what's on the docket today. Now, speaking of Gordon Bennett, um, another one of his uh, favorite trombonists, and certainly one of mine, was Abe Lincoln. And we're going to go way back in time to the Bennett archives and listen to... Abe Lincoln playing Chinatown. Let's uh, bring back, if we dare, Abe Lincoln's trombone. Chinatown.
presented by Abe Lincoln on trombone and Nick Fatul on drums. That was all improvised, by the way. You're listening to trombonist Joel Yenyer in conversation on CHUO-FM 89.1. Joel, why don't we talk about your band, Gypsy Schaefer? Now, how did this whole scene come about? And uh, how did the members of the band uh, get together? And what was the... Uh, the purpose uh, of the band going forward? Well, Gypsy Schaefer started out as a pickup band for a local Sunday brunch gig um, with myself, Andy Volker on saxophone, Chris Punis on drums, and at the time uh, we were, had a couple of different bass players coming in and out. Um, we played every Sunday at the Cambridge Brewing Company in Cambridge, Massachusetts, and uh, we mostly played standards and you know listenable tunes for... Um, the people enjoying their brunches and then um, after a little while we started getting together on the side to uh, play one another's original compositions and um, we were hoping to maybe get some other uh, jazz gigs outside of the brunch where we could kind of play our own things and so we uh, we put some material together along with Edward Perez the bass player who we went to the studio and recorded um, a number of original pieces and you know, we didn't really uh, uh, intend for that to become our first album, but after recording everything, listening back, we said, hey, this stuff, you know, sounds pretty good. Maybe we should go ahead and put this out. So we, um, that that became our first CD, and, uh, you know, we uh, started uh, shopping that around a little bit and uh, picking up some more gigs, and uh, that was sort of the, uh, the foundation of the band. As far as looking for a specific sound... Um, the band is comprised of two horns, saxophone and trombone, drums and bass, so there's no no comping instrument, no piano or guitar. I think at first that started out more due to the economy of having to pay a, f a fifth musician at the brunch gig, but as we uh, got more into that format, we uh, decided we really liked that, um, that arrangement because uh, it allowed for the horns to... Um, become a little bit more interactive and um, we got into comping for one another you know playing a little bit behind one another's solos and uh, and uh, creating counter lines and harmonies it also gave us a little more freedom um, as improvisers without having the chordal instrument outlining the chord so that kind of got into the uh, sound helped to find the sound of the group i have to ask you joel there's one track on your album that i'm uh I've always been wondering what it's about, and um, I just want to know, who's for Edward? <laughs> well, it's one of those funny things. Uh, I think the tune was actually originally named Blues for Edward. It was uh, written to feature our bassist, Edward Perez. Um, and then while we were recording the piece, um, the engineer kept calling it Who's for Edward. I think he mistakenly um, heard the name of the piece and wrote down on the, uh, the track listing, Who is for Edward? So the name kind of stuck, and, and that was the uh, that's how that piece came about. 
This is 89.1 FM. C-H-U-O. Your community station. Deutsche South Ottawa, the weekly German show with your host, Oswin Lowern. Deutsche South Ottawa is light musical entertainment with highlights from the event calendar, Fußball Bundesliga results, and interesting tidbits of useless information. That's the German show, Sunday afternoons at 3 p.m. We just heard some music from Gypsy Schaefer featuring Joel Yenier on trombone and a track called Who's for Edward. It's kind of funny how that uh, piece came about. It was originally supposed to be called Blues for Edward, but there seemed to be some kind of misunderstanding there. And just before that, from the Bennett Archives, we heard Abe Lincoln, a great trombonist of traditional jazz, and his version of Chinatown. We're going to go to another trombonist who I believe is currently uh, performing, Andy Martin. I was able to uh, find one of Andy's recordings, and we're going to listen to what this trombonist is all about. This is a track called Why Not Wayne, and this is from his album Leading Off. Why 
That was music from Kid Ori and uh, Yellow Dog Blues. It was taken from a recording that he made for the Verve label. And just before that, uh, we had music from Andy Martin from his album Leading Off and um, a composition called Why Not, Wayne? You're listening to In Transition. My name is Randy McElligot coming to you from the University of Ottawa. This afternoon, uh, we're featuring some trombone jazz along with an interview with trombonist Joel Yenier, coming to you from the University of Ottawa, serving the Ottawa Hall area and surroundings, and we're also streaming live on the internet at www.chuo.fm. Do you come from a musical family? Yeah, I guess you could say I had a pretty musical family, although I think I'm the first person in my immediate family to become a professional musician. Um, I did have an aunt that played violin in the New Jersey Symphony, uh, my grandmother plays the piano. She's played her whole life. She had a scholarship when she was younger to the Juilliard School, which she turned down to become an artist. Uh, both of my parents played instruments when they were younger. My three brothers also played. So they were all very encouraging to get into music. We had a piano in the house since I was um, a young kid. And uh, yeah, there was always music going on in the family. Do you recall the most inspiring uh, concert that you ever attended? The most inspiring concert I remember as a young kid was probably when I was around 13 or 14. Uh, my grandmother took me to see a concert in New Jersey with the Ridgewood Concert Band. And the soloist that evening was Joseph Alessi from the New York Philharmonic, uh, the principal trombonist. That was really the first time I got to see a trombonist of his stature uh, up close and personal like that. I think we were right in the front row and my eyes were just glued to him the whole time. I remember he played the famous bluebells of Scotland with variations and totally just blew me away with this technique and command of the instrument. After the concert, uh, my grandmother took me over. We went to go meet him and I got to shake his hand and it was just a really inspiring moment for me. Regarding your instrument, what what brand of trombone do you uh, prefer playing with? I play on a Bach trombone. Uh, believe it or not, the horn I play is the same horn I've had since I was about 14 years old. Um, I got it secondhand at the time. Um, I've never been much of an equipment freak. You know, some guys like to try out different horns and different mouthpieces, but I've always been pretty satisfied with, uh, with the horn I got. Now, for many years, you were performing with the Ether Orchestra. Are you still uh, are you still part of that band? Yeah, as a matter of fact, um, this will be my, going on eight years playing with the band. I joined in 1998, pretty much right after graduating the New Conservatory. Um, it's really been a great experience for me as a younger player to have a chance to perform regularly, do some recording and some touring. Um, also, the way Russ Gershon leads the band uh, has really been great. He really gives uh, each musician a chance to shine and, and have his uh, two cents added to the, uh, to the music. And uh, the band's still going strong. It just celebrated its 20th year. And uh, we have some more touring and recording coming up. So uh, I'm looking forward to that. Throughout your musical development, you've had some uh, pretty interesting teachers. Well, both George Russell and Rand Blake I met as a student at the New England Conservatory in Boston. George, um, more than anything, just really opened my eyes to the possibilities um, of arranging and composing. I had a couple classes with him on his uh, Lydian chromatic concept, which is um, his own theoretical concept. Uh, regarding music composition. Um, I also played in his 
uh, big band at the, at the college. We got to play a lot of his arrangements for the Living Time Jazz Orchestra. And I also played in his small group. Um, he had a real penchant for faster tempos. I remember really having my ass kicked at first when I when I came in there, and he count off the tunes at breakneck speed. And as a trombonist, you know, I, I was really challenged to play those those tempos and some of his really angular uh, lines. And also, it was just great to to have someone like uh, George Russell at the college. I mean, he's he's a living legend. He used to hang out with Miles Davis and Gil Evans, and you know he was he's just such an important part of jazz history. And uh, Rand Blake, I I wound up in a class of his at at the school sort of by chance, and he's since become one of my most important musical associates and uh, mentors. Um, I had a chance to uh, really get to know Rand. He he lives just a few blocks away from me in Brookline, Massachusetts, and uh, we see each other pretty regularly, uh, both socially and as uh, musical associates. Most recently I've been playing in his quartet, which is uh, comprised of Ran on piano, myself on trombone, and uh, two guitarists, Jonah Kraut and David Fabris. Ran has very diverse tastes in music. He has us playing everything from Haitian folk music to uh, themes from his favorite film scores, older jazz standards, um, pretty much anything. Lately, he's been into the music of Dmitry Shostakovich. So typically, we'll learn the melodies orally from listening. Rand doesn't like to use written music. Um, and then we'll work on our own interpretations of the pieces, and sometimes we'll improvise on them. Sometimes we'll stay closer to the melodies. Um more than anything, Rand has taught me to really open up my ears and broaden my horizons musically, um, really um, focusing on the essence of a melody and then trying to offer a personal interpretation.
store, providing a new alternative for local audiophiles. Planet of Sound carries many of the top names in hi-fi, including Cyrus, Riga, Epos, Creek, and Project. We also boast the largest turntable and audiophile software selection in Ottawa. Plus, our trade-in policy allows you to sell your old gear to get something new. Come see us at 1194 Bank Street in Old Ottawa South, or visit us on the web at www.planetofsoundonline.com. Planet of Sound bringing you the best audio from around the world.
That was a live recording from Swedish trombonist Eje Thalen, recorded in 1966 with Barney Wellen on, on sax, and we heard a track called Fast, and it was more or less an amalgamation of uh, different standards. I think I heard a bit of Cheek to Cheek in there and uh, some other tunes as well, but just an incredible uh, exercise between the two of them in control and execution. And before that, another... Uh, Swedish trombonist by the name of Bjorn Samuelsson, taken from his album A Letter to Ake Pearson, and we heard a song entitled Monotones. You're listening to In Transition. My name is Randy McElligot. This afternoon we're featuring jazz trombone, and I tell you, I'm having a lot of fun because I love listening to the um, the trombone in a jazz milieu. It's as if it was uh, it was meant to uh, to play this excellent music. We're going to listen now to another trombonist, uh, one who's influenced, I think, many people, but a lot of people don't know of this uh, gentleman, Graken Moncure the, the Third. He was uh, rather obscure for many years, but the good folks at Mosaic have uh, put out some of his material, and we're going to listen to a track called Blue Rondo. <laughs> Thank you. 
You're listening to Trombonist Joel Yenyer in conversation on CHUO FM 89.1. If you never had a life in music, what could you see yourself doing? Well, it's funny, by the time I was a junior or senior in high school, I think music is pretty much my, the only thing I was really interested in doing. Um, when I got to college, though, I remember my freshman year at the University of Miami, I had a few friends that were music majors, and for one reason or another, they started questioning whether or not you know, the musician's lifestyle was really for them. They were worried about, um, you know, how they're going to support their families later on and that sort of thing. And, you know, I got to thinking and I actually went down at one point to the uh, university, had a career center where you could take a uh, career aptitude test, you know, to see what other things you might, uh, you might be good at. And uh, so I actually took the test and you sit there and you answer some questions and felt the little bubbles and then they, uh, they analyzed the results and I think uh, it came back. Musician was number one on the list, and I think number two was architect. So uh, I don't know <laughs> if I really would have been happy being an architect, but um, I mean, I really have no regrets going into music. I mean, uh, I feel really fortunate to uh, be doing something that I love, and uh, you know, something that uh, allows me to be creative and to uh, you know do some traveling and you know make some friends and meet people that I never would have met without, uh, you know, having music as a bond. This year, 2006, marks the 80th birthday of, I think, one of the greatest, if not the greatest singer in popular music, Tony Bennett. Joel, what are your thoughts on this great icon of the American songbook? Well, I can't say I have a huge Tony Bennett record collection, but um, I definitely respect him as an artist. I think he has his own personal voice. Um, he's obviously had a lot of commercial success. Anyone that's been doing it as long as he has deserves some respect. Um, also, one thing that's interesting about Tony Bennett, not a lot of people may know this, but during the 1960s, he was uh, very active in the civil rights movement here in the in the States and uh, was a big supporter of... Uh, rights for black Americans. I understand he's also an accomplished painter. He goes by his uh, his given name, Anthony Benedetto. Do you ever get the feeling sometimes when you're playing that, you know, you, you sort of say to yourself, wow, what was that note I just played? Where did that come from? Uh, I know a lot of musicians that I've spoken with have said that uh, this is probably one of the most gratifying parts of, uh, or things rather, of uh, being a musician. Oh, yeah. Well, I think that's one of the great things about performing, in particular performing uh, improvised music, is that, you know, you're constantly reacting and interacting with the other musicians. You know, the creative juices are flowing. If you're in front of a live audience, you know, a lot of times you're getting a certain energy back from the audience that can contribute and uh, add to the, uh, the, the, uh, the mix. So, yeah, I think that's one of the great things for me about performing is just waiting for those little moments where you just surprise yourself or you know have something magical happen is there any musical setting that you have yet to explore well to be honest i feel like i have a pretty good variety of things happening right now uh with the either orchestra you know being a larger ensemble gypsy schaefer is sort of a smaller you know quartet setting uh, i'm also doing some brazilian music occasionally some latin music i also play in a band that does functions we play pop and r&b that sort of thing um Recently, I wrote some music for an ensemble consisting of trombone, flute, cello, uh, electric guitar, 
bass and drums and uh, I'd like to maybe do a little bit more with that instrumentation I really those are instruments that I really uh, enjoyed writing for and like the sound of so uh, eventually I'd like to do a recording with with that instrumentation let's talk about your first performance as a professional musician now what was that like my first gig as a professional musician was with the Passaic County Sheriff's Band in northern New Jersey. And uh, basically it was a parade band. We'd go out on all the major holidays, the 4th of July, Memorial Day. And these guys were pretty busy. They would do sometimes three or four parades in one day, go from one town to the next. So it was, it was good work. You know, you can make some good money on, on those holidays. And uh, I remember the, uh, the outfit for the, uh, for the gig was a police officer shirt and a cap with a little police logo on it. And so we'd be driving up to the gigs and people would actually look over in the next car and see us in these police uniforms and they'd actually slow down. They, they thought we were really cops, we were gonna pull them over or something. So <laughs> I always got a kick out of that as well. Outside of jazz, do you listen to other styles of music uh, maybe to get uh, ideas in, in writing or uh, conceptualization? Yeah, well, for one thing, my wife Erica is a big pop music fan, so when we're together in the car or something, we usually put on the radio, listen to pop. Uh, she has pretty good taste in music, so um, I usually like the kinds of things she, she likes. Um, I also listen to some classical music and uh, some world music as well. When you go into the studio, are there a lot of uh, prearranged or pre-planned uh, arrangements? Do you have all of that prepared before you go in? Or is the studio um, more or less the creative zone for improvisation? Well, I'd say that sort of varies on the session, but uh, almost always there's at least some degree of organization. I mean, I haven't done a whole lot of totally free uh, recording sessions. So um, usually the music's rehearsed at least a little bit, and um, you know we'll have a pretty good idea of what is expected of us when we go into the session. Um, I think the best recordings happen when they're there is something left to chance and you know leave some room for uh for inspiration and improvisation um but most of the time there is something uh some organization involved Thank you. 
One of my favorite uh, trombone players, that was Hal Crook, taken from his album Hello Heaven. Now, I don't even know if this album is available on CD or not. I had to go way back into my musical library and find this on a vinyl recording that was made many, many years ago. And the track that we heard was entitled Clarksville. And just before that, we heard some music from Gracken Moncure III and Blue Rondo. I'm Randy McElligot, and you're listening to In Transition on CHUO FM. Another favorite of uh, many jazz lovers out there is Bob Brookmeyer. What a what a, a fantastic trombonist. Uh, I love the way that he plays, his style, um, the way that he bends the notes. Everything is, is really exciting when you listen to something from Bob. We're going to listen to something from him right now. This is uh, a track called Last Chance. <laughs> Does it take you a long time to conceptualize ideas when you're composing music? Well, I'd say that sort of varies for me. I'm not a prolific composer by any means, but um, I do get 
inspiration every now and then I'll um, be walking down the street and hear something in my head and I'll uh, try to get to some uh, staff paper or record it on a little tape recorder um, to try to develop it later. Sometimes I find I just, if I need to write something, I just have to sit down at the piano and uh, try to crank something out and not be too choosy about what comes out at first. Later I'll go back and I'll, um, I'll work with it a little bit more. Do you ever find time to do any practicing? Yeah, I pretty much practice every day. I mean, the trombone is one of those instruments that if you don't put your time in, you're going to feel it the next day. My daily routine consists of some basic warm-up exercises, long tones, lip slurs, you know, covering the range of the instrument, high and low. Um, I practice uh, scales, chromatic scales, different scale patterns. Sometimes I'll work on some more jazz-oriented patterns. I have a number of exercises that I'll use, uh, playing over chord changes, uh, different rhythmic exercises, um, different conceptual things that I'm working on. And then I'll spend some time playing through some repertoire, playing through some melodies, um, some solo pieces, etudes. Usually if I have time, I'll uh, try to record myself playing with some play-alongs and listen back to it, maybe work out a few ideas, that sort of thing. When it comes to music, uh, what are you listening to these days? Well, let's see. The last couple albums I purchased, um, I picked up a copy of Steve Lacey and Don Cherry, Evidence. It's a recording of Thelonious Monk's music. Um, I really like Steve Lacey's solo on Let's Cool One. Um, I also picked up Albert Eiler's Lenis Avenue Breakdown. A friend of mine had a copy of it, and I was really interested in, in the uh, compositions. And he's got a great band on there with... Uh, uh, Jack DeJanet and uh, Bob Stewart on tuba. Uh, really interesting group, interesting album. Um, I've also um, been checking out a few of the Mosaic box sets. The Mosaic record label has some nice compilations of albums by different artists. Um, uh, they have a couple of really good trombone uh, sets, including the uh, J.J. Johnson and Curtis Fuller sets. I recently picked up the Bob Brookmeyer set. It has a, several of his earlier albums compiled into a nice little box set and um, I've also been listening to a fair amount of Ethiopian music believe it or not um, the Ether Orchestra has been um, playing some interpretations of some Ethiopian popular music we actually um, recorded a CD a live CD in Addis Ababa we traveled over to Ethiopia in 2004 um, and got to collaborate with some of the musicians over there and um, I found their music to be really fascinating. I've been, I've been checking it out. There's a, uh, a collection um, on a French record label called Ethiopiques, and there's, um, there's over 20 volumes of uh, Ethiopian uh, popular music. So I'm, I'm uh, somewhere in the middle of that right now as well. Mm-hmm. 
Listening to CHUO FM 89.1. Ottawa Youth Campus Community Alternative. The nation's only bilingual campus community radio station. CHUO. If you were to mention the first person that comes to mind when you talk about modern jazz trombone, I think J.J. Johnson would certainly be at the top of the list. And we just heard a beautiful version of Sophisticated Lady. Uh, you know, I could listen to J.J. all day. He's, he has such a beautiful tone and just the way that he um, he gets right into the melody. But the way that he rides it out is like riding a silk blanket in the evening, just really smooth and lush and you know never exaggerated just a, a beautiful performer and before that uh, Bob Brookmeyer with Last Chance I'm Randy McElligot and you're listening to In Transition and we're just going to continue now with some music from another uh, trombonist of note Benny Green and we're going to hear a tune from him entitled It's Groovy <laughs> Oh, 
When it comes to recordings, what are your what are your ten favorite recordings that you really enjoy listening to? Well, it's going to be tough to pick ten records right off the top of my head. Um, maybe better if I limited it to just uh, albums featuring trombonists. How about that? Um, one of my favorites is School Days, which is uh, Steve Lacey and Roswell Rudd recording. It's actually a live recording from the early '60s. Um, it features the music of Thelonious Monk, and it's. Um, the instrumentation is trombone, soprano sax, bass and drums, uh, very similar actually to Gypsy Schaefer. So I really enjoy uh, that recording and the way they, they uh, the two horns um, play off of one another. Uh, another favorite is uh, Woody Shaw's Master of the Art featuring Steve Turay. Um, the Great Fontana by Carl Fontana. Uh, pretty much anything by J.J. Johnson. Um, I really like the uh, J.J. Mosaic box set, which uh, features all his Columbia Studio recordings. Um, there's an album called The Trombone Master, which is sort of a, uh, um, a collection of some of those recordings. Um, another one is Dexter Gordon with Slide Hampton, A Day in Copenhagen. Uh, Slide did most of the arrangements on the album, played some, I think it's some of his best playing. Um, also Free For All by Frank Rossellino. Um, Anything by Mingus with, with uh, Jimmy Nepper is really great. Um, I think one of the f- my favorite albums is The Clown, in particular, um, Reincarnation of a Lovebird. Um, Nep- that's a great example of uh, Nepper's playing 
over uh, some of Mingus's fairly challenging tunes. Um, another uh, album I always enjoyed was uh, the Ray Brown All-Stars with Al Gray on trombone. It's a really nice rhythm section featuring Ray Brown. Um, and Al Gray is the uh, solo horn player. And just his, his swing and, uh, and soul, it really comes through on that record. Um, another one, more modern album, is uh, Hal Crook. He's a Berkeley professor here in Boston, but uh, he has a couple of, of uh, nice recordings. The, my favorite one is uh, Hal Crook with Joe DiOrio. It's an album called Nariani. It was recorded over in, uh, in Italy in the 80s, uh, early ni- actually probably early 90s. And then uh, I'm going to throw in uh, a classical trombone album, uh, pretty much anything by Christian Lindbergh. He's a Swedish trombone soloist, probably one of the finest uh, players in the world. And uh, my favorite two albums by him are the uh, Virtuoso Trombone and the Romantic Trombone. Do you ever find time to uh, do any teaching or mentoring to uh, try and and maybe uh, pass your skills on to up-and-coming musicians and and teach them the fine art of, uh, of trombone playing? I know that uh, the trombone has an illustrious history, uh, going back to Kid Ory and even some of the other uh, great musicians, even Abe Lincoln, I, I think of him, and you know all the all the uh, the things that uh, they brought to the table. Yeah, actually, I do a, a fair amount of teaching. Um, I'm on faculty at the New England Conservatory Extension Division, where I uh, teach trombone lessons. I also do a uh, ear training class, and I coach a few ensembles. Um, I also teach a few days a week at a uh, public school, uh, where I uh, teach instrument lessons to young kids. I think teaching is an important part of being a musician. Um, I saw a statistic somewhere at the uh, New England Conservatory that over 80% of its graduates do at least some teaching. And uh, I know for jazz musicians in particular, teaching can be a substantial part of their income. And uh, it's also rewarding for me, you know, to work with the younger students and watch them progress. And, you know, I've learned a lot in how I think about music from uh, working with younger students and uh, getting different ideas on how to approach music from uh, through my teaching. That he will spend it 
of your days All the nickels and the dimes of your days Let the reason and the rhymes of your days favorite of mine on trombone and someone who I saw I saw many years ago with Steve Lacey performing in a church in Montreal doing um, a show on uh, Thelonious Monk and if I remember I'm not sure if it was uh, Roswell Rudd or uh, Steve Lacey that was running a temperature of I think it was 104 or something like that it was incredible one of one of them was really really sick 
but um, they got through the show. I think they just arrived from Paris, if I'm not mistaken, and put on a great show. It's the church across from Place des Arts, the one with the red roof, and I've seen many people in, in that uh, particular church, Dave Holland, another one, Adam Makowitz, uh, the pianist, caught him there as well. A beautiful setting to listen to jazz. Anyway, we heard some music from Roswell Rudd, and Sheila Jordan was on the vocal, taken from an album entitled Flexible Flyer. Now, here's another one that uh, I think might be out of print. It was originally released on the Arista label, and we heard a beautiful version of What Are You Doing the Rest of Your Life? And just before that, music from Benny Green, and a tune entitled It's Groovy. Another one that's uh, up there when it comes to modern jazz trombonists is Al Gray. And we're going to listen to him perform a song entitled Low Life Blues. I would like to play a little blues for you right now. A little low life blues. Thank you. 
That was music from Jimmy Nepper from an album he released many, many years ago entitled Cunning Bird, and we heard Languid. And just before that, Al Gray with Low Life Blues. Well, I hope you enjoyed the show today, and I'd also like to thank uh, Joel Yenier for dropping by and giving us some of his insight on uh, his playing um, jazz trombone uh, education and all that stuff, and some of his favorite uh, trombonists as well. We're going to finish off the show with uh, one of my favorite um, trombonists in jazz, Ray Anderson, and this is from an older release of his entitled Old Bottles, New Wine, and this one is a Dizzy Gillespie composition entitled Ow! Oh, <laughs> oh,
Well, that just about wraps things up for another edition of In Transition. My name is Randy McElligot. I'll be back next week with some more jazz. Until then, uh, have a great week. And don't forget, coming up in about three minutes' time, we have the Ethiopian show until 3 o'clock this afternoon. Bye for now. Thank you.